0: Welcome back to Weekly Specials. I'm your host, Will Gadara. I appreciate you joining us. I'm known to quote my dad, and today is going to be no exception. One of my favorite quotes from him, the secret to happiness is always having something to look forward to. It's true. I think when you get caught in a rut, just in normal life, knowing that there's something exciting on the horizon is enough to keep you motivated and, and fulfilled and unable to move forward. In these times, having something to look forward to is perhaps more important than ever. One of the things that we're all collectively realizing is we don't know how long we're going to be caught in this middle part of our experience. How long this is going to last, what the world's going to look like on the other side, and And so something I've been thinking a lot about is the power of taking time and just deciding what it is you're looking forward to. What is the thing that you're going to do that's going to bring you such unbridled joy on the other side of this? Believe me, for me, it's brought a big smile to my face just to imagine those moments during times that I've really needed to smile. But another thing my dad has always said He gave me this paperweight when I was a kid. It said, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? And he just always challenged me to work really, really hard to achieve that. Uh, Jay-Z, in his book, said it a different way. He believes you can talk things into existence. And so today, what I'm saying is to combine those two things into one. Decide what it is you're looking forward to. And use that as an opportunity to just imagine it and, and allow it to put a smile on your face. But then use that as a motivation. In our world as restaurant people, I would imagine that for most of you, one of the things you're looking forward to is going to happen within the walls of your restaurant. And seeing that and picturing that, well, I'd imagine it's going to help us talk that into existence give us the motivation and the energy we need to fight even harder to get to the other side of this so that we can do that thing again whether it's working the front door whether it's showing one to their table whether it's dropping a dish and spieling that course whether it's joking around with one of the servers in the service station whether it's giving pre-shift or just having family meal with the crew. There's a lot to look forward to. And while so much of what's happening in the world is outside of our control, not all of it is. And we can, we can talk things into existence. We have a really great show for you today. Welcome back to Weekly Specials. It's the Weekly Specials. do 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 -do -do. Specials, good news coming at you. The weekly specials. Do, 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 do. Today, I'm joined by Carolyn Stein of the Luke Group in Los Angeles. Carolyn, along with her partner, Chef Suzanne Goen, have run the iconic group since the late 90s, and their restaurants include AOC, The Larder, Larder Baking Co., Tavern Restaurant, and The Late Luke, which closed earlier this year after more than two decades. They've written cookbooks. They've cooked for the Obamas. Carolyn's won a James Beard Award. They run a wildly successful fundraiser in LA Loves Alex's Lemonade, and so much more. And Carolyn and I have actually gotten to know each other a little more this year. We tend to be on a Zoom call at least four days a week. For me, it starts at 10 a.m. For Carolyn, it's at 7 a.m. It's really great to have a dining room person with me on the show. Carolyn, welcome to weekly specials.
1: Thank you for having me. You make me sound almost as cool as you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just try to do it in my most profound radio voice. So I hope it comes across in the right way.
1: <laughs> you have very good radio voice. And for anybody who thinks seven o'clock is not early, you're not a restaurant person. <laughs> no, okay,
0: yes, uh, hallelujah. I'm just so excited to have you here. Today is kind of just like checking in a little bit. And so I have a few different questions, but I just wanted to start with just a bit of a level set What's going on in the restaurants right now? What's the general vibe in Los Angeles, et cetera? Just like give me a synopsis of your world today.
1: My world personally, in terms of our restaurants, we have one of our places operating right now. And it's at about 40%, 50% capacity and similar revenues. And of course, everything got turned into outdoor dining. So we have it's an AOC. We've got a patio outside already. And then we turned our parking lot into a patio, which was no small feat. We had a, we bought an an enormous olive tree and built wood fencing around and lights and you know sound and POS and internet and plants and tried to make it beautiful because even though people in LA are understanding about the rut that restaurants are in right now, they're not that understanding. Nobody yes. wants to just sit in the parking lot. So we had to make that into, you know, a similar dining experience as inside the restaurant. So we've done that. It's doing well relatively. I think that's
0: something a lot of people don't even necessarily understand, whether we're doing it for the expectations of the guests or the expectations that we place on ourselves, people just moving stuff outside. It's not like that's turnkey. We spend all this money to make the restaurants feel a certain way and everyone's going to spend some money to make sure that they're proud of the experience they're serving out there. And that makes it even more of an uphill battle to make that money back.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've got too much personal pride to have people sitting in a parking lot with telephone <laughs> wires hanging over and, you know, the neighbor's laundry out on the wire. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I want it to look good and I want to convey what, what we're doing there. And it, it's a reflection on us. So I care greatly about that. And yeah, you know, we did do this thing where, we okay, just bring the tables from outside, inside, outside. But of course they're not made for being in the sun. So yes. there we are later and all of our tables are ruined. So we have to replace those now. It's oh. just, it's so stupid. I know it's really dumb. We should have, we should have planned for that, but you know, lessons learned. Um, but you know, we're, we're restaurant people are hardy though. We, we, we pivot, which I hate that word now, but you know, we scramble and do whatever we have to do to make it work for our guests. So our staff has been really down with the whole thing and understanding and you know out there every day setting it up and and I think just happy to be able to serve guests our other restaurant is in a remodel phase anyway so we're closed until we can serve people inside which we're not sure when that's going to be our catering company is doing food to go and doing a few gala events that people are having where they're having food delivered to people's houses and there's a virtual get-together so
0: oh that's cool I haven't heard of that
1: yeah. So yeah. rather
0: than everyone coming together and eating, they're sending the same food to everyone's homes, then people are dialing in?
1: Yes. I think this is something that's gonna be here to stay I think for a lot of different kinds of events. Obviously we all human beings wanna to be together. We all wanna be in a room tightly packed together. It's just our tendencies. But this has been a great way to bring gala guests or, you know, fundraising guests together to experience something. People get into being on the Zoom together. There's a whole wave of these kinds of Zoom events that we're trying to get involved with. So that's been one outlet.
0: That is um, cool.
1: Yeah, we have a baking company. Our revenues are down there, but we're just treading water. We're gonna, you know, what the thing about LA right now is, I think we're all putting on a a strong face. We're thrilled to be able to have guests in. We're doing everything we can to make them happy. We're restaurants like Mozza did a patio out in their alley. It's called Piazza Mozza. I mean, we're all trying to find the humor in what we're doing and invite our guests in for what can feel like, you know, an hour and a half or two hours of normalcy, which has been really nice. I have to say being around people has been nice six feet away. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I found in talking to a lot of people, I know I went out and had dinner on a patio and it was like the first proper meal I've had in a really, really long time. And just for a couple of hours, everything felt kind of reasonably normal again, in spite of the fact that it wasn't a normal meal, but with you and I, and what we're doing with the Independent Restaurant Coalition, we're, we're talking so much about the economic impact of restaurants. And I was saying the other day, it's the emotional impact that's just as important because on the other side of this, if we don't have all of the restaurants, we are going to get through it. And then where are you going to go to celebrate and where are you going to go to return to, to that? But even now, the people that have gone out and dined on patios they're feeling that sense of normalcy and everyone in the restaurant business and getting the chance to serve again gets a taste of it as well.
1: Totally. It feels so nice to be around people and to be able to have those conversations and check in with our regular guests who used to come in all the time and just do what we normally do. Even though we're doing it, sanitizing every 30 minutes and we have face shields on and masks and we're being everyone spaced apart, it's just... It feels so nice. I have to say, I feel lucky to have that outlet. You know, I think about my son, he's 14. He can't see his friends. He's stuck in one place. And I actually feel really lucky to be able to have these interactions with people. And even our servers, a couple of whom were obviously and understandably nervous about coming back to work with the public, once they got into it and were there for a couple of hours, they're like, oh my God, this is so nice. And I was yeah. like, yeah, see, you can, you can still be safe while you're doing this and still feel like you're a human being and not a blob on your sofa, you know?
0: What's the city like generally? I know California has been getting hit pretty hard recently. And like, yeah. what is the energy? What are the vibes as, as you're walking around?
1: You know, I have to say, I'm not doing a whole lot of walking around on city streets, but you know what? When I'm out among people, you have two groups. You have the ones who don't want to wear masks, who think everything's just normal and they don't care. Then you have the people like me over there getting angry at those people who are not wearing masks. But um, I think people are trying really hard to be normal. They're just trying really hard to pretend this thing isn't happening. And I can do that at work while I'm socially distanced and protected with my PPE and all that. But I think there's a, there's a little bit of a sense of, I don't know what the word is. It's not, it's not ignorance. It's just a delusion <laughs> that you can just do everything you normally do. Yes. And I see people having parties. Actually, last night, there was some enormous party that my friend wrote me about that was happening in, on Mulholland Drive, giant mansion, you know, Lamborghinis and Rolls Royces pulling up, nobody wearing masks. Sure enough, it was on the news later that night. And then there was a shooting there.
0: Shooting just, at that party?
1: Yes, yes. It was just crazy, and it's this thing. Like at first, I, you know, you're not even supposed to be having. Your, I, I, I know I'm getting off the subject, but it's just there's there's a sense I think that this isn't really happening,
0: yeah. and you
1: could just go about your normal life, and that's going to be really challenging. I mean, in New York, you guys are you've been in shut you've been in shutdown mode for a long time, and you've got your numbers under control. I think L.A. just opened up too early. It's a problem.
0: Well, yeah, we we didn't get it right in the beginning, and then. We reacted really, really powerfully in the opposite direction, which is what got us here. I think the the question now is how long do we stay exactly where we are? Because there's an emotional, there's only so much emotional resilience that people have. And even I've seen some people who at the beginning of this were so staunchly against public gathering and so staunchly for always wearing a masks, who are now starting to take the opposite perspective. They almost want to convince themselves of a different reality just so that they can feel the grace to go back to the lives they want to have in spite of the fact that it's not time to have them.
1: We are in a crazy moment. We're in a situation we've never been in before. And, you know, everyone, I think, early on was saying this is like our our generation's war. Like, this is our World War II situation where everyone had to band together and work for our country and make it work. But the problem is that, I don't know, we are just limited in our tolerance and our ability to tolerate what we're dealing with and the shutdown and the, the isolation. And I don't think wearing a mask is so difficult, but
0: yeah, you know, people
1: yeah. are having such a problem with that. And actually, last night, I found myself saying to my husband, you're going to think I'm crazy, but God, I just want my son to go to school. I'd almost, I'd almost send him, you know, <laughs> 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 for him to be able to be around his friends and have some sense of normalcy. But then sure enough, you can't because then we'll all be getting, it's all going to spread.
0: So, yes. No, I'm I'm with you.
1: We reacted really strongly in the beginning in California, and then we let up too early. And if we had just stayed shut down longer, I think we would would have had better control. But again, same question. How do you open up?
0: Yes. All right, well, so I think we're, we're all recognizing that we're going to be in this for a minute, however long a minute ends up being here. And between social unrest, between a pandemic, between a crazy election year. There's a lot of headwinds to your point. This is, this is our war. And one of the things I think about people that do what we do, dining room people is okay. We're, we love serving, but a big, big part of our job is that we're coaches. We coach a team of people and, we are responsible for filling their gas tanks and keeping them inspired and keeping morale up, right? Morale in a restaurant is the most fickle yet important thing in the world. And it takes day-to-day management, but I've always been inspired by the oxygen mask metaphor that when you're on an airplane, they tell you you have to put on your oxygen mask first before you help your child, right? Like if your gas tank isn't full, you can't, fill the gas tanks of those around you. And so this is a two part thing. I guess the first one is with everything that's going on, how are you filling your gas tank? What is the thing that's giving you hope not to presume that you always have it, but during the moments that you do?
1: Gosh, you know, it's so hard. I think, I don't even know if I filled my gas tank. I have been working, I think, you know, we restaurant people work a lot. If you own a restaurant, you work 24 seven. And I think I've worked more since March 16th than ever before, just dealing with, besides dealing with the PPP loans and the IRC and calling legislators and emailing and everything that's been thrown at us. It's funny, I think the only thing that I've been able to sort of fill my tank on is, spending time with my kids and my husband and my family. And again, as a restaurant person, you're working 24-7. My family's never seen me this much. I've been married for 26 years now. I have not seen my husband this much ever, ever. And so taking that moment to kind of appreciate your family and appreciate if you're healthy, having that, and those silly moments where you're cooking or just where you're hanging out and eating pizza in front of the kitchen counter... That is the stuff that I've been able to kind of fill my gas tank with. No, I'm not doing yoga. I'm not doing any of those things like that. I'm literally just trying to, <laughs> to get my oxygen from, from saying, okay, if this is, I mean, obviously this, isn't, this couldn't be the possibly the worst of it, but if, if, if I can sustain myself on with this aspect of it, I can get through and back to normal. And when we do get eventually get back to normal, if I, if I can just have this, these moments with my kids and be able to enjoy them and appreciate that I actually have this family that I never see. <laughs> that's kind of been my sustenance.
0: One of the, like, the things that I've always struggled with is when I walk into one of my restaurants, I always see the things that are wrong first, right? I think that's maybe part of what goes into doing what we do. It's like, and one of my hopes is that through this season, I found myself in the beginning focusing on everything that was wrong focusing on money that was lost, jobs that I could no longer give people, things that I had been pursuing for so long that were suddenly wiped out. And it took me a while to do what you just said, which was to shift my perspective enough to start really appreciating what I have. And my hope is that on the other side of this. Maybe when I walk into a dining room, I'll appreciate everything that's going well before I so immediately jump to focusing on the things that aren't. Yeah. I mean, have you thought about that? Just like the lessons that are being learned right now that you hope to carry with you after right. this is all over?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've definitely been pretty pessimistic lately just because I, I don't know when we're going to be dining inside again. But on the other side of that, I have to say it's given me a new perspective on how I want to work the rest of my life, which is I think as a restaurateur, it's all about more, 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 more for a long time. It's like, oh, you've got to open more restaurants. You've got to do more. You've got to be more. You've got to be bigger. And part of that comes from your idea that you need to open new things to keep your other restaurants vital. The more you have going on that's new and interesting, the more it sustains the entire group and keeps everything vital, which and is very valid. But, you know, going through everything that we've been going through, Suzanne and I have definitely come to the realization, and I know this personally for me like less is more right now. Less is more. I, f- every, I recognize that the more businesses that I've had to keep my eye on, the less well I'm doing that because I'm just too divided. And a restaurant person, you tend to be a control freak, right? And the, yeah. the, more you ha- the more you do, the more you have to let go, right? And every time I let go, even though I've got lovely people who work for me who work really hard and do things, you know, not that anybody's not doing a good job, but it just, it's that like game of telephone. And that's when I start walking in and seeing the things that aren't right, and seeing the things that I want differently or finding out that some manager's gone rogue and done something wrong, you know, something that I've got to clean up now or or just that the business doesn't do as well as it could financially or otherwise. It's because I'm just not there enough. And I realize that there's just having more, more, more does not mean that I'm going to have more or be happier or be able to produce more for the people that rely on me. I'm responsible for so many people's livelihoods. And if I can't live up to what I've, you know, what I want to provide for them, then I'm failing. So the loss of Luke has been beyond depressing. Many tears have been cried. It was our first baby, you know. Yes. Um, But knowing what we're going through right now with this pandemic, I don't know if that restaurant would have survived anyway. And the less I have to deal with, the more I'm able to focus really strongly on what I do have. And so I don't think Suzanne and I are going to be all about more, more, more. I think it's just going to be more about focusing on what we have and doing it better and spending more of that time there to make them better businesses, be there more for our employees, have more face time with our employees on a constant basis, as well as our guests and and if it means, and I'm not saying this is me rolling out of one restaurant. I mean, if it was that, okay, that's all right. We can make that work too. But I'm just not in that have to have more all the time mode anymore. And even personally, I'm a clothes source. Like, I'm a, you know, my, my cardio is fashion, right? But it's like, okay, <laughs>
0: at this
1: moment, at this moment, who's going to see it anyway? <laughs> and, and, you know, but it's also like, okay, we don't need more. We actually, we can sustain ourselves on where we are right now. And, yeah. You know.
0: I also think what they don't tell you when you start growing your company is that in order to make it work, you end up having to delegate a lot of the stuff that you loved doing the most. I've heard a lot of people saying, you know what, on the other side of this, like I'm going to work the front door. Like I've loved working the front door. I haven't been able to work the front door in years and I'm going to make that a priority. And so it's, it's the beautiful thing, silver linings of this is reconnecting with what ultimately is the thing or are the things that bring us joy to make sure that on the other side of this, we lean more more heavily into those things.
1: For sure. I've often found myself over the last two years saying, I feel like my job is more on the computer and phone than ever. Like I, I you know, way more than being on the floor of the dining room. And that's actually where the fun is. That's where yeah. that great combination of entertaining and and socializing and, and like the love that we're conveying from our staff and ourselves to our guests and where that, that, that like beautiful interaction happens. I didn't, I don't get to, I haven't gotten to enjoy it. You know, that's yeah. yeah, I used to love working the front door. It's my favorite. I love the puzzle of it. I loved having that FaceTime with our guests. And now it's like, sometimes I've, sometimes my managers have to say, oh, that's a regular. Yeah. should know that. I should have that FaceTime with that person more.
0: Well, I mean, it must be like 80% of the people that go into restaurants. You say, why do you go into restaurants? Well, I could never work an office job. And then suddenly suddenly we end up working office jobs.
1: Yes, yes. I'm sitting all the time. It's terrible. All
0: right, so your gas tank gets filled through time spent with family, and then you have to turn around and fill the gas tanks of the people that work for you, which I would imagine is harder now than ever. is I've always thought of it as like the most important 30 minutes of the day it's where the team ceases to be a collection of individuals and they start to be a team and and we have this role of getting people lined up and fired up and ready to go what are you talking about during pre-meal how is that experience for you right now
1: you know, it's interesting. First it was, okay, this is how we're going to live with our face shields and our, you know, masks and how we're going to make it normal for everybody. And that these are all the procedures we have to follow. Was, a lot of it was, you know, hey, we're banding together. And a lot of it is how much we appreciate everybody being there and recognizing how it is scary for a lot of people and trying to convey to them that we were there for them and we, we the family bonding together over this is the most important thing. I think we always try to tell people, that when you're when you're there at work, it's not about you or the individual. It's about the restaurant, right? If the restaurant is greater than all of us. It's not about the ego of who of who's doing what. It's about caring for the restaurant. And right now, it's it's always been. You know, I don't know. It's so hard. We have we have we have an amazing group of people that we love. I always call them our family members. Like they're. It is a really tight, hardworking, amazing group of people. And I think Suzanne and I often. We often have a lot of people who work for us for a really long time. We have employees who have worked for us since day one. I mean, we, one of our staff members just had their 16th anniversary with us. Oh my gosh. It's not uncommon. So a lot of it comes from our working side by side with them. And I'm not above plunging toilets and not above bussing tables. I do everything with them every night. And I think we try to be understanding normal people that they can come to and talk to and that we're approachable and we're, we're there all the time. And, I like think part of our pre-mail is just a lot of like commiserating, like we know this isn't easy right now. We know that it's scary. We know that right now we have to enforce a lot of rules that the public doesn't want to deal with. And we are, the, we are unfortunately the enforcer of them. So how can we do that that makes us feel good? How can we do that so that we're still conveying hospitality to people? How do we do that where we're not schooling them or losing our patience because we're sober and they're not, (laughs) you know, how do we, how do we try to just convey everything with love and have that kind of idea of love in our, in our minds when we're in this situation, because how lucky are we that we get to convey this moment to people that they can actually come out and have a, have a moment of normalcy and celebrate a birthday or celebrate an anniversary or just have a glass of wine or have a cocktail that somebody else has made for them. I mean, that's huge
0: right now.
1: and. You know, I, I I can't say it's one particular thing that we're talking about, but a lot of it is just—it's a little bit of like we're in this together. We all have to remember that we're there for each other to help us through these moments, and that I think we're all feeling the same way. You know, employees are scared. Sorry, my son's playing a video game with friends, and you he might hear it in the background. <laughs> like the screaming. See, this
0: is an authentic and real podcast. <laughs> it is. Like,
1: <laughs> you hear that like that voice changing sound in the background. Um. Anyway, but just I think it's it's just kind of about like, hey, we're in this together, and you're not alone and we're as nervous as you are and we're going to do it together. And every day we get through this, the more normal we feel and the better it, it gets. And we're just going to, we're going to fight to keep this business alive together Yes, and get through this.
0: You just, something you said, just maybe reflect on something I've talked about for years is there's an opportunity and a responsibility that comes from, Living up to the trust that people place in us when they choose to celebrate a really important moment. Like that, people are trusting us so much by celebrating an important anniversary or a birthday. And that trust is probably deeper now than ever before, because not only are they trusting us not to mess up a holiday, but they're trusting us to not get them sick. And that is a responsibility, but man, what an opportunity as well, in a beautiful way. I think the other thing you said, which I just want to dig into a little bit because it seems obvious the way you said it. That the first thing you said when I asked, what are you doing during pre meal You said, we're thanking the team. And it's clear with a lot of what you're reading about on social media or the news that a lot of leaders out there don't understand the importance of showing gratitude towards the people that work for them. Can you just talk about I mean, it comes naturally to you, obviously, but the power of showing gratitude to those that work for you.
1: Oh yeah. It's super important. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny. You said something a little bit ago about, you know, you walk in and the first thing you see is everything that you see is what you don't like, right? You just notice yes. everything that's wrong. The baseboards are dirty or whatever, you know, and you know, there was a moment I will say at one of my restaurants where every time I walked in, I had something negative to say. And I recognized that, it was not great for the morale. It wasn't great for me. It didn't feel good when I came in and I had to say something and I felt like I needed to say something. How do I do that? And it's really easy to find things that are not right. And it's sometimes it's harder for people to recognize when things, the good things that are happening. And I think that you cannot, you can't even start to talk about what's not right without talking about what is right. And I know how hard all of my employees are working. I know my managers put in like crazy hours. I know that they answer my texts whenever I send them, when, no matter what time of day or night it is. I know that, you know, I know that they care. And the fact that they care is so huge. And the fact that these employees have returned because we had a lot of employees that weren't ready to come back. They were yes. afraid. And the ones that came back, I just was so thankful to have them. And I, same with our guests. Like I just, I preach this to myself all the time. We appreciate that these people are choosing to dine with us. Like this is not, they're not lucky to be here. We are lucky to have them. And we need to convey that to people as much as possible through providing them amazing service, remembering everything that they want us to remember, taking care of them. It's their birthday and recognizing how important this meal is, recognizing that some people, yes, dine out every night, but not everybody does. And this may just seem like, oh, it's a dinner, but it's not just a dinner for some people. Yes. It's for everybody who comes in. This is a this is an important moment. It's an important moment, not only to hold up exactly what you said, their trust in us, but also to promote ourselves and, and give people a reason to come back. But I think showing gratitude to your employees and to your staff and to the people who, I always say work with me, not for yes. me. They work with me. That is incredibly important. And it's the way not only to feel good about yourself too and feel good as a good person, but also to get, the most out of people because people just want to be where they fe- where they feel good. Nobody wants to work where they're not feeling appreciated or loved or taken care of and it's really hard at this moment too when we've had to lay off hundreds of employees and are not able to bring some of them back and people moving away and going going to cheaper places to live because LA is really unaffordable right now and It's a terrible feeling to lose people and to not be able to take care of people the way I would like to take care of them. You know, I had one employee who was, you know, I know you're always going to take care of us. I'm like, I'm trying, but I'm just a human being. And at this moment, this is like bigger than anything. So I appreciate those people who are there with me and I wish I could have more of them there. It's just so hard and so conflicting right now. I know I'm rambling a lot. I'm sorry, but it's No, 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 no. I I love everything you're saying. It's so, it's, it's just like a moment where- we try to be a leader, but it's hard to lead when you just don't know on, on earth where you're going. <laughs> you know, we're, restaurant people are control freaks. So we can't.
0: Yeah, we're leading in right the now. fog right now. I well, by totally. the way, I do think that is hopefully one of the healthier things that will come out of this. Like, we are control freaks, which you talk to any like anyone in the therapy world, and they would say that is not a strength. And learning to let no, go no. is like a liberating, and freeing thing. And if, as a community, we can. Maybe ease off of that a touch and celebrate the things that we can and kind of let go of the things that we can't. One thing you just said, my dad, one of the pieces of advice he always gave me is keep a journal about work because when you're a server, you have a certain perspective. The moment you become a manager, you lose that perspective forever. The moment you become a general manager, you lose that perspective forever. And almost definitively, you are going to do the same things as a manager that you complained when you were a server that your manager was doing. And I bring that up for two reasons. One, to the point of being appreciated. No one has ever held a job where they didn't want to feel appreciated. And then the moment you become the boss, it's so easy to forget to actively show that appreciation.
1: Oh, People immediately turn into the boss that they, don't, that they hated, right? Yeah. yeah so Yeah.
0: And, well, and then I've been trying to think about that now, to journal now so I don't lose the perspectives because my biggest fear is we're going to get on the other side of this. We're going to go back to doing what we're doing. And I'm going to talk to you in three years and be like, I just opened five restaurants last week. You know I mean?
1: <laughs> well, human memory is very short. So yeah. Yes. I mean, I, yeah. It's, it's very true. I don't, I would like to be able to hold on to the things, the positive aspects and, and hold on to the perspective that I have now. And I should journal. It's a really good idea. I should journal also because there's so many funny things that happen that I just want to be able to remember all the time and I, and I can't. We have, a, we have a nightly email every night and we have this one manager who writes the most hilarious nightly emails and I'm like, oh my God, we need to write all this stuff down constantly so that we can keep perspective on not only the horrible, crazy things that we lived through and survived, but also the hilarious things that kept us going and made us laugh through the horrible stuff.
0: <laughs> I love that. Okay, here, here's another one. Our industry fell apart We're hoping we get through it, and then we're gonna have to rebuild it, um, which gives us an opportunity to rebuild a better industry than the one we set out to rebuild in the first place. What is one big or little thing about our industry that you would like to see be different than it was on the other side of this?
1: Oh God, there's so many things. I mean, first of all, there's the there's the disparity, the income disparity, and I literally was talking to Suzanne the other day about how I think we should establish the tip pool that shares with the back of the house because we don't have that right now. And it's always been the fear of losing great servers and the, you know, there's so many arguments on both sides of it, but I think the most compelling argument is that everybody needs to be earning a fair wage and to be sharing in the benefits that come with it, whether it's gratuities or service charges, or whatever, because the person who plates that fish is just as important as the person who serves it, and so trying to work something out in that way would be would be huge. Or figuring out a way for there to be a general consensus on or a standard operating procedure that restaurants follow in that in that vein, because. It's hard when you want to be competitive with everybody, but you're doing other things to take care of the employees and it cuts into your ability to do what you want to do when you become financially constrained. So, I mean, I think a big one is, is that income disparity between the front of the house and the back of the house. In California, we're already paying a living wage. We're at $15 an hour right now. And it has definitely caught, you know, we've taken a hit on our bottom line because of it, because guests aren't quite ready to pay a higher dollar amount for their Dinner. They just aren't. No matter how high we can tell them the costs are, they're just not ready. But we're already there paying that wage. But I just that when when it comes to gratuities, et cetera, or, or you know service charge, I would love to figure out a way to have it be shared equally among the back in the house, uh, back in the front. I think that they're definitely as we've seen through what's been going on with all the the social. I hate to use the word unrest, but this moment in our countries reckoning with racial disparities and the and, and the issues that have come along, I would love to see a greater inclusion of people of color in higher positions in, in restaurants. I mean I, I know in our world, we've had general managers, we have we, we are very inclusive in what we do. We have a really amazing group of people and we try very hard to have a balance and but I, I think we all could be doing more and doing better. And I think that Recognizing this moment, it's it's interesting. We are we're an industry that employs more minorities than almost any other industry. Yes, um, and you know have more women managers than any other industry, and yet we we need to have that spread among more people in our in our world. So, I think that is a huge a huge thing that we all need to deal with. And I'm not the most comfortable talking about it because I feel like it's not my place to talk about it. There are the people who who are far more learned in this moment than I am. But
0: but I think the the opportunity there is just to lead with action, right? And just right. to, yeah. I think one of the beautiful parts about restaurants is that we can, I'm co-opting a quote from Kelly Peacock, uh, who I interviewed here a few weeks ago, who's the general manager of Uncle Boon's. And she said, we in restaurants have a beautiful opportunity to create the worlds within our four walls that we want to see Mm -hmm. everywhere around us. And it's almost one of my bosses back in the Gatiss guy, Paul Bulls Bevan, his quote was, raindrops make oceans in a really beautiful way, that if everyone just does the right thing, it's unbelievable the collective impact that it can have.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I'll also say I can relate. I ran... We had a nomad in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. it was also in a hotel and so sort of minimum wages. There were even higher. And one of the really, really hard parts is it was impossible to run like a legitimate business paying people that much. And that's an issue that exactly. needs to be dealt with across the board because it's not just in the, people need to know that food is going to cost. Everyone's out there saying the whole $600 unemployment Everyone's out there saying, well, that just means people aren't making enough if they're making more from that than in their current jobs. But people don't talk enough about the fact that people do need to get comfortable paying higher prices. It's not just one solution. There's, there's two that go into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, where the voters in California voted for the minimum wage, right? They had to know that prices were going to go up as a result. Yes. Not as if every small company can just absorb this. We can't, we had, you know, we did have to raise our prices a little bit, but we didn't raise them enough yeah. because yes, I would love to say if there could be a change, I would love for the dining public to understand more that about a restaurants, economics, like that, the dirty laundry in the back of our beautiful show that we're putting on, up, you know, on stage is that. Ninety-five cents of every dollar goes right out the door. Yes. Our profit margins are incredibly slim, and people think that we're being greedy when we charge six dollars for a glass of juice. Or they think that we're we're high rate robbery and we're trying to you know rip them off. And it's like no, no, no. You know it doesn't work that way. We're you know we're keeping two cents of that juice. So you know we're not we're not hoarding cash here. So <laughs> I mean I would love for that that element to come to the forefront a bit for people to have a better understanding of what we're dealing with financially to have, to appreciate. And I'm not saying like, they need to appreciate us, but I just appreciate the fact that, you know, yes, the organic tomatoes that go into that tomato salad are, cost us an arm and a leg. And that's why that salad costs that much. And no, we're not making $30 on that salad. We are eking by.
0: But the there's an time. entire ecosystem that's being supported in a, in a beautiful Ex- way.
1: Exactly. I will say when I went to Nomad, uh, downtown LA, when you guys first opened, I looked around and I was like, I don't know how they're going to pay all these employees because I I saw how many people you had on the floor because of the level of service that you provide and I was like, okay, I don't know how that's how this is going to happen because I I just know I'm, I'm paying that wage.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. that it
1: was like I was like they're going to get their first payroll. I'm freaking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay I mean you may you might have been spot on. I don't want to I will neither confirm nor deny what happened.
1: <laughs> I know I mean it's just that I just just cuz I know LA and I know the restaurant. I just know the expenses. I know the empl- I just know. But of course every restaurant when they open you have more employees than you end up.
0: Yeah. you, know, exactly. you,
1: you level out but I remember thinking Oh God, I don't want to see this payroll. <laughs> I was of, I was like one, two, three. I was sitting there. I go to restaurants and when I do, I look around I count the seats. And like 3, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 14, 15, they, got, they have 110 seats in here. And then I remember going 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 14, I was counting employees. <laughs> I'm sweating for you. Uh-oh.
0: Well, <laughs> I appreciate the empathy at the yes, very so, least. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I want to leave things on a, on a good note or on a high note or, or some sort of note here. One of my favorite quotes, I know I'm quoting my dad twice in this conversation, but his thing is the secret to happiness is always having something to look forward to. Whenever we're there, we're going to be on the other side of this. Life's going to return to some version of normal. I don't know what normal is going to look like, yeah. but it's going to be normal again. What are you looking forward to? And be, like, super specific. Just what's an experience that you can't wait to have?
1: I cannot wait to walk down a street in Paris. I cannot wait to go to a beach in Mexico and lie there and have a margarita and hear the ocean in the background and not have to worry about getting a Clorox wipe to wipe the glass down with (laughs) before I drink the drink. (laughs) I can't wait for that ability to travel and get out of our world and see other things and experience a restaurant. I haven't dined in a restaurant yet. I can't wait to go and be able to be a guest somewhere again. That's a dream.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate hey, you're welcome. you.
1: welcome. You're welcome. No, I appreciate you. I have to say I love that we've become friends. Through this through this horrible experience, but it's been really really amazing. I used to be like those nomad guys. <laughs> <of>
0: They're
1: <laughs> like, ah, oh, those
0: nomad guys. <laughs> oh, wow, <it's> so great. <laughs> no, I. It's one of my favorite things about all of this, and to the point of journaling and making sure that we don't lose touch with the things we've connected with. Now that applies especially to the community that we formed around IRC and. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to coming out and, and dining in one of your restaurants and actually knowing you the next time. I know. That I do.
1: Yeah. It'd be so much better. Very excited.
0: I'll see you tomorrow morning.
1: Yeah. Bright and early.
0: <laughs> Have a good <laughs> night. Thank you so much for tuning in and hope you'll join us again next week here on weekly specials. This show is produced by the welcome conference team including Aaron Ginsberg, Anthony Rudolph, Sandra DiCapua, and Brian Canlis. And our music is courtesy of Aaron Ratier. Special thanks to our creative collaborators at Resi, and thank you to our longtime partners at American Express and Sam Pellegrino for their unwavering support. During a time when we're not able to come together in person, it's that support that allows us to connect with you here. If you liked what you heard, Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to learn more about the Welcome Conference, visit welcomeconference.org or find us on Instagram at Welcome Conference. It's the weekly specials. Do do do. Weekly specials. Good news coming at you. The weekly specials.